Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Simple as that. Knights come out. Me and Nick are going to eat our crow this episode because guess what? We are positive jinx. We are a positive jinx on this program as the Knights absolutely demolish, blow out, embarrass, humiliate, uh, and just overall dominate Oklahoma State 45-3. to Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Before we get started, as always, a quick word from our sponsor, Bet Online. The last of the major pro sports leagues is off and rolling, and college basketball is ready to go as well. BetOnline remains your top spot for all your live betting action and contests. NFL, college football, UFC, and NHL are all in full swing. BetOnline is your number one source for wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions. All the hoops betting action along with every sport available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time. Head to BetOnline today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. What a night. It's 8.18. This is in a moment where it feels late because of the time change, but I'm loving that it's only 8 o'clock. I was at the game. I am sitting in soaked. I I got home and we hit record. I am sitting in soaked pants, soaked jacket, soaked hat. Uh, Luckily, I brought a baggie for my phone. Got the new iPhone 15 and I brought a baggie because I don't have a a case on it yet. Uh, So that kind of saved me. But before I get to Rob and Nick, being there live tonight was electric. Uh, credit to all the UCF fans. Credit to the student section because I know EDC was here this weekend. That's anybody. What everybody was talking about was there's going to be no students. There's going to be no crowd because they're all going to EDC. That was BS. Everybody stayed. Uh, not many people. Uh, when this started pouring, and it was pouring, let me tell you, Everybody stayed out for the most part, uh, and students were loud. Uh, the crowd was loud. the The atmosphere was one of the best atmospheres I've been in as a UCF fan. And I've been to some. I mean, we've been to some games, and that atmosphere today uh, was electric. I went with my mom uh, to this game. We picked to go to this game, and before the game, I said, "Mom, I'm going to let you know. Like, this is going to be not pretty. This this is this has chance to get ugly really quick." And she's, I'm going to give her the credit, <laughs> I guess, for the for the win today because uh, what a game to go to. Well, we have a long pod coming to you guys. Uh, Nick and Rob. Rob has been on a two-month sabbatical from this show. Um, he comes only for the big moments, like today. He's like, oh, he texted me, what time are we recording? I'm like, oh, wow, you're going you're gonna to pop on a recording. Uh, so, Rob, obviously you have been on... For a while, but I think big episode means big time people to come on, which, you know, obviously we were happy to grace your presence. So uh, give your thoughts on one of UCF's, one of the biggest wins in in UCF's history. Not even a question. Yeah, you know what? It's good to be back. I am alive. Uh, I have not, I have not gone too far. Um, But no, I mean, as complete of a game as you're going to see out of this UCF team, um, and out of this program, for that example, um, for that matter, 
you know, all season we've been complaining about, you know, decisions at quarterback, decisions on offense, decisions on defense, decisions on special teams. Everything came together tonight for this UCF team. Defense looked great. Offense looked great. Uh, I mean, there's really, this is one of those games where it's hard to complain about anything. Uh, if you had to nitpick the fumble by John Rice, yeah, not great. They bounce right back with a with an interception, and they get cooking once again and get a 92 yard rushing touchdown from R.J. Harvey. So, uh, again, the nitpicks aren't even really there because this was a complete domination from UCF. And listen, Oklahoma State coming off their biggest win of the season in Bedlam, and and UCF comes in and absolutely destroys any momentum that they had coming out of that win. So, I, I mean, just credit to to everybody, Addison Williams, Gus Malzahn, uh, Darren Henshaw. I mean, just a complete game from the coaching staff, from Joan Rice Plumley, from the entire defense and offensive unit, even the offensive line. Uh, you know, they they changed that up again as well. Lokahi Paoli playing his first game at center. It looked like it worked. It looked like it worked. Uh, this this team is, is everything we wished it could be uh, this season. Complete domination from head to toe. Yeah, we're not nitpicking anything this game. 45-3 to against the number 15 team in the country. There's nothing to nitpick, uh, especially after uh, the post-game Cincinnati. I was a little, you know, I wasn't my uh, cheerful after my cheerful self after a win, and many of our fans uh, called me out for that and said, yes, you are being negative. So I'm not going to be negative, and there's no reason to. Uh, Nick, we, you know, a couple of our, you know, listeners, uh, watchers, whatever you call them, uh, tweeted, you know, me and you basically saying to eat crow and because uh, I predicted, you know, you're the more, you know, negative Nancy on this show. I'm the more optimistic. And I said, uh, 48, 28 OSU. Uh, I said, listen, the run defense hasn't proved anything this year. Uh, but to our credit, we did say, and I think me and you both agreed that after Bedlam and riding on a high, there is a chance and that UCF could catch them on, you know, a good week. So kind of give your overall thoughts on the game. Obviously again, 45 to three, not much to nitpick after this one. Well, first of all, I will not be eating any crow today. I will not. And you will not come at me and tell me to eat crow because big whoop. I picked the number 15 team in the nation coming off their biggest win of the year with the best runner in college football to beat the team that had the 127th rush defense in the entire FBS. They don't they don't have RJ Harvey, Nick. Oh, sorry. That. Well, yeah, they don't you know RJ what? Harvey. So I'm not but anyway, don't <laughs> cut me off as I'm doing my speech here. I'm not <laughs> sorry, eating. I, I will not eat crow for that prediction. Sometimes I get them right, sometimes I get them wrong. It's all good. Uh I'm happy to be wrong today, obviously. Uh, I didn't see it coming at all. You know, you were probably more on the the whole trap game thing, and I was hearing P- Oklahoma State fans saying they thought this was a trap game. I just frankly didn't see it. I kind of thought this UCF team just kind of is what it is. Uh, after this one, I'm like, is there any – can we put all the Oklahoma teams – and if you're a football team and you play in Oklahoma, can we just like join together and just throw us in there? Because apparently for this team to play really good football and up to their potential, we have to play teams that are residing in Oklahoma, in the state of Oklahoma. So can we please get that done, please? And number two, can we just, we have to change everything about the university or identity. 
Okay, this right here has got to go. I tried to find the closest thing I could to Cape Canaveral blue. I don't even know. I'm really honestly colorblind. I might be blowing it, but I tried. We have got to switch everything over. Full Citronaut branding. If it's black and gold, it's got to go. If it's black and gold, it's got to go. Because this team is now, what, 7-0 and in space games? And if you look at the score lines, they're not even close. They're not even close. They dominate every team that they play when they put on these black and Cape Canaveral blue uniforms and put all this spaceology stuff all over it. We've got to just do it full time at this point. So those are my observations. I have no idea how this happened. I thought I was in a simulation watching it happen. I heard all these UCF fans talking about, I mean, they're like, they're getting out there like, what do you call them? Uh, the measuring sticks or whatever. And they're trying to see how much feet it is from the first row to the bottom for the jump if they win the game and they can storm the field. I thought y'all were all out of your mind. And yet, that's exactly what happened. There was a storming of the field today. I have no, I, I can't explain anything that happened on that field besides college football, college football. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I'll eat crow because at the end of the day, I did predict a blowout. And But here's the thing. No UCF fan. And I'm sorry, if, if you came out and said we're going to beat OSU, credit. No UCF fan thought that they would be able to stop Ollie Gordon in that offense. Nobody. Who the hell predicted 45 to 3? Who the hell predicted 45 to 3? That's well, why I'm not eating any the, crow because none of none of you had 45 to 3 on your on your score predictions. None of no, you. No. Nick, when you say simulation, that's kind of what it felt like when I was sitting in those seats. Like everything there was only maybe 2 seconds which Rob alluded to it, the JRP fumble. It was it was 24-3. to uh, OSU comes out after halftime, puts up a field goal. UCF holds them to a field goal. I'm like, okay, that's, that's really good. Then JRP fumbles. And I'm like, here we go again. It's, 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 it's the circle of life. It's the UCF circle. They get you at the utmost high, and then they drop you down low. And I was like, here we go. And then two plays later, Bowman throws another pick. So... It kind of was just, it was a perfect, perfect game for UCF. We're going to give everybody their flowers. We're going to go through it all. But credit to the entire team because nobody gave them any chance, including us three here, including us three here, including probably every UCF fan, including everybody on the outside. OSU had everything to play for. And I'm telling you, there was a different energy in the bounce house tonight. And again, when any team comes into the bounce house if it's like that it's hard to win in Orlando it's hard to win and the amount of OSU fans that were coming to me and saying wow yeah like this and again these guys go to the Oklahoma games every year that were coming to us saying this environment is unreal that's all it's incredible I it's incredible I'm so proud to be a UCF Knight in moments like these because you know foreign you know, whatever the record was, they come back and now you're five and five and you have everything to play for. Let's get into the game, right? Let's talk about this football game. I guess we should just talk about RJ Harvey. We'll get to John Rice Plumley because again, I, I like talking to the John Rice haters that are continuously in my comment section. RJ Harvey, one of the best backs in the country. I think Nick, Nick Geddes, you know, it's 
he calls it all the time. He mentions R.J. Harvey. He was tweeting out about R.J. Harvey all the time. Uh, last year, we all on Charge On were R.J. Harvey fanboys. We were like, R.J. Harvey needs to play over Isaiah Bowser. We continuously say that. And then today, I mean, I don't know about who the Heisman candidate was on the field today, but it definitely didn't look like Ollie Gordon. Uh, R.J. Harvey, 24 carries for 206 yards, three touchdowns. Bell cow for UCF. They couldn't tackle him. They couldn't do anything in the rain, not rain, heat, whatever you want to call it. Under the lights, R.J. Harvey steps up. I'll go to Nick because Nick is a R.J. Harvey stan. He has a R.J. Harvey stan account uh, on every social media platform. Uh, but listen, I think the offensive line, Nick, I loved the move for Paoli to go to center. I think that, honestly, offensive line looked the uh, in a 45 to 3 win, obviously they look the best they have all year. Something clicked with that, uh, and RJ Harvey took advantage of it. Yeah, I think it's probably just getting your five best players overall on the line and just figuring it out from there rather than trying to, you know, settle for Drake Metcalf or Beulah playing at center. Let's just get the five best that we have across the board and see what happens. And RJ already had been had been finding holes over the last four or five games and really taken off. And, you know, I just I continue to watch him play, and he looks like a Sunday back to me. Like, I have no idea where he's going to go when we get to, to draft time, but he looks like a player that absolutely is going to be, you know, taken within one of the seven rounds, in my opinion. And he's starting to put himself into that UCF, like, like at the top of the top when it comes to running backs – for this team in this program's history, because I'm looking at first thousand yard rusher, by the way, since Greg McRae in 2018, and we still got two games to go, maybe three, cross your fingers. Uh, first UCF running back to go, what is it, five or six 100 yard games since Kevin Smith way back when? I mean, he's right there with some of the best of the best at that position in this program. So, and this, this offense, I mean, you talk about running through a singular player. I know we'll get to John Rice. I mean, I'll, John Rice was the best I think he might have looked all season long by far, and even at times through last year. I was impressed with him. I know we'll get to him later. But my point is is that this offense completely runs through R.J. Harvey. Bell cow, 25 to 30 times a game. Get that guy the football. When he gets to the second level, he's really good at making guys miss, getting into space. The long touchdown, obviously, the 92-yarder, that was the game right there. Because yeah. like you said, it was 24 to 3 at that time. And we had the fumble from JRP where I about lost my mind. Um, and, I'm, I, and I texted you those act words. I'm like, here we go again. I've seen this story. JRP with the freshman mistake. And then we get the Alan Bowman throws him one. Of course he did. And then Harvey goes off for 92 yards. The game was over. I wanted to type it out right, right there on Twitter. But, you know, some people are, are so worried about what we say that it's going to impact what on the field, which is lunacy. But anyway... I uh, decided not to tweet because I was like, the game's over right there. As far as I'm concerned, the game was over. I saw a shift in Oklahoma State from the way their players, it seemed like the way they were playing on that field. I felt like that was it at 31-3, to and that was all due to R.J. Harvey. He took that game over completely. No, and uh, Kingdom NIL was uh, very quick to tweet out that he has one more year. Uh, I do not think he will be staying one more year. That man is probably going to the NFL draft, but he does have one more year of eligibility if he so chooses, mm-hmm. uh, which I found very interesting. Um, wouldn't hate for him to stay one more year. That'd but be fine. No, that'd be great. Uh, broke his record last year, career long last year, or last year, last week, and then broke it again this week, uh, going over 200 yards. And again, I don't think anybody would have guessed 
uh, we'll get into Ollie Gordon and Oklahoma State, but I don't think anybody guessed uh, that we would have held Ollie Gordon to what we held him, which was 25 yards on the ground. Let's talk about John Rice. Uh, and, we'll, you know, we'll group John Rice and Gus kind of together, right? Because everybody wants to crap talk John Rice and Gus every single week, regardless of a win, regardless of a loss. Um, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'll eat crow on saying that UCF was going to lose, but I'm not going to eat crow when I've been, and I think you guys can back me up here, I have been a Gus Malzahn, you know, supporter. You know, even when people are calling for his head, I have been a John Rice supporter this season heavily when others are, you know, when others zig, I zag. In most cases, not like the game, but in most cases. John Rice looked phenomenal, like Nick said. I mean, he was giving guys, and really, let's call it like it is. He was giving guys opportunities, right? First play from scrimmage. Hits Kobe Hudson on the long touchdown. Perfect throw, perfect pocket presence, perfect pass. It, It all worked, right? Goes 11 of 18 for 299 yards. Let's just round it up. 300 yards, three touchdowns. A quarterback rating of 255.6. He also ran 14 times for 74 yards, which it was the best he's looked, Nick. It was the best he's looked, I mean, all season or since the injury. Um, But Rob, talk about John Rice. I mean, again, I think some of it just boiled down to giving his receivers a chance to go up and grab it. Uh, It wasn't too much, you know up the middle type of stuff it was hey throwing it to the sideline and giving one-on-one coverage to you know Javon Baker or Kobe Hudson and I think it really worked today and OSU couldn't really do anything about it yeah I mean as good of a game as you're gonna see out of John Rice Pumley uh Nick Nick kind of said it you know arguably you look at the last two seasons that we've had him arguably his best game uh in a, in a Knights uniform um you know, he looked so comfortable in the pocket, found guys. Uh, you know, you saw it with Kobe Hudson. You saw it with Javon Baker, like you said, Sean. Uh, there was a couple times where he hit Javon Baker downfield, and they, you know, threw it up, said, go get it. And Javon Baker, I think both times that I saw him throw downfield, got it. So, there wasn't bobble. There wasn't there wasn't 50-50 ball like, oh, it might get picked. No, it was, it was comfortable. It was perfectly placed. And the same thing with uh, – Kobe Hudson, both guys were able to go off today because of how good John Rice Plumley played. And then using, you know, using his own feet on the ground. I mean, even with the brace, obviously he's not 100% yet. He's not as explosive as we know he can be. But still, even with the brace on, he was getting 10, 15 yard runs before sliding down because, you know, he doesn't want to re aggravate the injury. He looked good. He looked comfortable at all aspects. Um, and that's something we're not used to, to saying, you know, very consistently there's been a lot of criticism of you know yeah he'll run but then also the arm won't be you know as good as it can be and he this was this was a complete game from John Rice Plumley both in the air on the ground this is this is exactly what you want out of out of an athletic freak like John Rice Plumley and obviously this is the this is the offense that we all envision this is the offense that you envision UCF. You don't know if John Rice is going to run it. You don't know if they're going to hand the ball off. And you don't know if they're going to throw it up deep. Like, OSU couldn't do anything about it. Like, you know, even when it was downpouring rain, they knew UCF was going to run the football. And they still couldn't stop the run. They still couldn't because they couldn't decide, are they going to give it off to Harvey? Or is John Rice going to take it? So, I mean, it, it credit this offense Credit Gus Malzahn, credit Darren Hinshaw, called a great game, and didn't play scared. I mean, at the end of the day, in the second half, 
at the end of the first half, Nick, they could have, I mean, they they were kind of taking their foot off the gas pedal a little bit. I think that was more so because of the rain and they're yeah. not trying to risk risk it. But credit the offense. Yeah, I, I kind of echo what Rob said there. I thought it was the best that JRP's looked, I think, in a, U, a UCF uniform. And, and it's really the ball placement. He had like three or four long balls in this game where he just puts it swirling and his guy could get it. Javon Baker made some incredible plays down the field in this game, as we bo- as we all saw. You talk about he's starting to play himself into draft consideration too. I mean, he's starting to really, really pick it up after a slow start to the season. But some incredible plays, some incredible throws from JRP. Obviously, we already talked about RJ Harvey. I mean, hell, the first play of the game was Xavier Townsend. Hello, haven't seen you in a few weeks. And immediately get the ball to him down the field. We love to see that. It was just they were in sync for the first time all year. I felt like they were truly in sync for a full game. And that was the encouraging part. And I guess at some point you got to find who you are. And, you know, it, it took until, what, the 10th game of the season for UCF to finally play an in-sync game on offense. Uh, but we will take it. We will take it. 45 points against the number 15 team in the nation. But with that being said, I will say, and this is not taking anything away from UCF, but – I just thought Oklahoma State, man, uh, they looked slow. Yeah. It looked really slow. Like, I, I, it did not look like two teams that were playing the same game today, if that makes sense. Like, I was really, really – like, I talked up Oklahoma State all week. Big believer in Mike Gundy and what he's been doing over there at Oklahoma State for years. And I, I have zero clue. What was going on that field today for Oklahoma? I mean, nothing. Look, nothing. You can't find one redeeming quality. Obviously, when you get your butt whipped forty-five to three, but just their their defense. I mean, it felt like everything was very, very easy for UCF. Anything they wanted, they were going to have today. So again, not taking anything from UCF because it works both ways. But I didn't like the effort over there from Oklahoma State today either. No, but I will say this, Nick. Like we talked about it the last couple weeks. UCF has moved the ball on every single team that they have played. Right. And it didn't change this this And game. Oklahoma I mean, they, State has allowed a lot of uh, has allowed a lot of teams to to move the ball, but as we mentioned in the in the build up, it's been that bend don't break. And I yep. guess that's kind of like what we saw today is they offend, they just broke and there was a great game plan and UCF took advantage. It's still though, it's just I just, I just simply just did. I'm it's we're like what, 2 hours removed since the end of the game or whatever it is. I still can't believe it. I still not I'm forty five to three. Like that's I'm, I'm that's stunned. the thing. Like, yeah, not not like this. I I, I look, there was a stat. I think that like I don't remember how, what the stat was exactly, but it had something to do. I know it really doesn't help me in this case, but it had something to do with a top twenty five team getting blown out by forty plus points. I don't know. I don't remember if that's happened or if, when the last time that was, but I know there's a stat with it, especially the number fifteen team in the country. I mean, listen. You can make excuse. There's no excuse. You can blame it on oh they had their Super Bowl last week in Bedlam. This reminds me of last year where UCF comes off the huge Tulane win and then you know puts up a stinker against Navy. So it's like it can happen. And Nick, we mentioned it throughout the entire year. Anything can happen in college football. Yeah, I. It's proved tonight. It's proved. Tonight. I know. It's it's proven. I just I don't know. We've watched this UCF team so closely, and you watch them play a play how they did against Cincinnati, albeit in a winning effort, and against West Virginia. And uh, <laughs> I just – how do you see it – it's like how do you like see it coming? Like how do you – like, and I just want to know, who are the people in Vegas 
that ha- who what did they know going into this game? Because I was laughing all week at this three point line that yeah. they had going on here. I just didn't see it when there were some other games like like for instance, Florida State and Miami. That's always a close game for the most part. It's a rivalry. Florida State was like a fourteen point favorite, and yeah. then Oklahoma State's a three point favorite against UCF, and I'm like, what is that? But then you see what happens today. So I don't know. Maybe I'm going to pay attention more to the, the the betting lines going forward. I don't know. Yeah, it's been – you don't bet on the Big 12, like, ever. Like Just stay just away. Stay, just stay away. You stay away. You don't bet on the games. Because then, again, like, Kansas loses to Texas Tech today. So it's like no. – But, I mean, grand scheme of things, listen. You This is a – this is one of the – I mean, how many top 15 wins does UCF has a program now? Was I think they showed it at the end. Is it five? I can't remember. You probably, cause we you probably wouldn't TV. have seen. Yeah, you no, but I know last TV, year but... they had two top twenty-five wins. Now this right. year they have a one. So it's it like, might have been it might have been UCF or Gus Malzahn something five top fifteen AP wins or whatever it is. Mm. But regardless, it's one of the biggest wins in the story, and it's a signature win that I think Gus really needed to have. Not that he was in jeopardy of losing his job, nothing like that, but just for some goodwill, he needed this one. Well, let's talk about Gus before we talk about the insane defense because let's call it like it is defense won this game. I don't care. Like the offense did great. Uh, maybe we should have opened with the defense, but I think whenever you put up 45 points and you know you kill a team, you just talk about the offense. But we'll get to the defense because masterful performance. Uh, let's talk Gus Malzahn, right? I always thought it was ridiculous, especially, you know, I get it. You know, fans can get a little antsy and you know some of the losses this year have not been the best but it seems like anytime there's a loss people just go for Gus Malzahn's head they got mad when he got the contract extension they get mad whenever we lose and it's just automatically fire Gus fire Gus which it was always funny to me and that's why whenever on the podcast I would always come out and say that's ridiculous Uh, Gus should not be fired who's better than Gus Malzahn he's respected he recruits well he gets you big time wins now yes there is an argument about losing ones that you should win. We've been saying that for two years. I mean, last year. Perfect example, you beat Tulane, you beat Cincy, and then you lose to Navy and almost lose to USF. There is an argument for that. But name me another college football coach that could, now get it, players play. Name me another program that can go out and beat a top 25 team the way that UCF just beat a top 25 team today. And especially after the season UCF has had. Gus Malzahn is the man for the job. I've always said that. I'm not changing on it. UCF fans can, you know, God forbid they lose the next two games. You can go for Gus's head. At the end of the day, he's had three top 25 wins in two years. You know, what other coach really does that? You're looking at the SEC. You know, they have to play. You have to play top 25 teams basically every week. So for Gus to do that and Gus to come out and not just win, but win in a dominant fashion where three men that are sitting on this pot are stunned and still can't really explain it. We're basically just talking through it because we still don't understand how that just happened. Go, Rob, talk about Gus Malzahn and I and, and talk about I don't want to get into the fan vitriol of it, but just talk about the like who Gus Malzahn is for this program and what he has shown in three years uh, and to, what it means for the program to get a win like this today. Yeah, I mean, you talk about just starting off with talking about what Gus Malzahn has already done for this program. Again, does UCF get this kind of win, you know, consistently under a Josh Heupel? Probably not. You know, I, I just you look at you look at how Gus Malzahn has really taken over this team since joining on the recruiting front. 
there's no question UCF has never been in a better position to get recruits. And he's proven he can get those guys in. Yeah. Now on the coaching side, yeah, there's been some questionable stuff. Gus has gotten out coached this season, last season, no doubt about it. But at, to the same token, Gus has also gotten some major wins. The Tulane win last year. Uh, you look now the Oklahoma State game. There's been some huge wins in this program since Gus Malzahn has taken over. And I'm going to be honest, I don't see a guy right now that I'm willing to ditch him for. So for all the people that are like, oh, Gus, you know, Gus is terrible. He's a horrible game manager. We'd be better off without Gus. Yeah, he's a great recruiter, but he's a terrible coach. He's washed, blah, blah, blah. Okay, then who's going to be that guy to replace him? Who's a guy that you're going to add right now that's going to replace that recruiting? And on top of that, also going to get you those big wins against big time teams like Oklahoma State. Probably not a lot of guys on that list uh, that are, are willing to leave their current programs. You have to uh, talking about the guys available. Probably probably not going to happen. So just just with with college football, you have to be patient. You have to be patient. This is Gus Mazan's, you know, third of what is it? Third year now? Third year yeah. that he's been. Yeah, third year. I, I, you have to give him time. The recruits are finally coming in. He's going to get transfers. You know, he's been good at that. You have to be patient. And you see it in other Florida teams, too. I mean, after a year, year and a half, FSU fans were ready to get up, give up on Mike Norvell, and now they're undefeated and amongst the top four teams in the country. Billy Napier, same thing. Florida, I'm, I'm not going to say Billy Napier is going to bounce back or anything like that. They might like miss that. a bowl game. Florida yeah. might. <laughs> yeah, but but still, Florida is already ready to give up on him. And it's like the guy is in his, his second year. Second like, year. chill a little bit chill wait for him to get the recruits see what he can do and obviously if he becomes a consistent problem same thing with Gus you know if you're losing uh, having losing seasons every year then obviously you trim the fat a little bit but there just needs to be some breaks pumped a little bit to calm down with with calling for the coach's head it's the easiest thing to do because it's a lot easier to fire one guy than it is to fire a whole team and to fire an AD so uh, be patient We've seen what Gus can do. He's going to get you the recruits, and and you see how he manages in big games like this. He's he's still got it. He's still got it. I mean, call like it is. This isn't a uh, Gus Malzahn pod, but two nine-win seasons in his first two years. First year, had a backup quarterback beat Florida. Second year, beat two top 25 teams in Cincinnati and Tulane with, again, a quarterback that started his first year and was also hurt at the end of the year. And then in year three, first year in the Big 12, you knock off a top 25 team. And also, also only lost to two by Oklahoma in Oklahoma. Oh, and also in your first game against Kansas State, we're in it in the fourth quarter. Oh, and also we're blowing Baylor out. Though you gave it up at the end, you should have been like, it, that's the frustrating thing. I don't want to get too into the, like, the, the fans that obviously were calling for Gus's head. Listen, I've, Gus Malzahn is, a top-tier college football coach. His offenses at UCF have always been in the top 10. Rushing is, again, top 10. Like, so... But here's the thing, Sean. I see you doing it. I see you doing it. And I'm not trying to bring my negativeness in here. I'm just trying to be real. I see where you're going. You're letting them get... You're letting them get to you, Sean. You're doing uh -uh, what I... Uh -uh. You're doing what I have done with this team this year. And I've been burned every single time. All right, mm -mm. you're out mm -mm. on them. You're out. You're out, and then they pull you back in. Mm -mm. And here you no. are running your mouth about Gus Malzahn. And I'm not called. And I listen. I'm not. I'm not on the the, the fire Gus Malzahn train. But I'm all for having uncomfortable conversations, as we did on this podcast two weeks ago. Sean, remember that? 
on that West Virginia game, we had some real discussions and I brought to you some real points about Gus Malzahn as a head coach and a quarterback whisperer and all these things that I will stand by until further notice. This mm-hmm. is a great day. You're not going to, I'm not going to, you're not going to drag me into being negative on this, on this fantastic oh, day. No. I will not do that. But I also, <laughs> I also will not just go programs fixed. Everything's I fixed. I didn't say that. We're, we're going to win out and, and we, we did it. Well, we are back. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do us. that. I'm, I'm not, right? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm still trying to figure out. I still have not figured out what happened on that field for three and a half hours. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't think we will know. I, I But I'm still not going to just sit here and act like everything is solved and, and all of a sudden we can screw anybody that said anything bad about Gus Malzahn. I will not do that after today. No, and I'm <laughs> if that's how it came across, I apologize. That is not what I'm trying to allude to. What I'm saying is we were coming into this season saying six and six would be really good. Yet when we lose well, some of the I games did. that thank you. No, well, Yes, but I all did I say that six and six would be bad? I said no, that that would be a huge win for UCF. It was six no, and six. But you, correct? you tried to talk yourself into some nine and three. I tried to talk myself into eight and four, which seven and five is still doable, but we're not gonna get into that today. <laughs> I am saying all I am saying is for it, it's hard because again, UCF has been so good for so long in getting nine, ten, eleven, twelve win seasons. You kind of can lose sight of, I get it, this season has been rough at times, and it was painful to watch. And listen, again, you have two weeks. There's still two weeks left in the season, hopefully three. All I'm saying is, I'm not putting the Gus negatives aside. All I'm saying is, I think he's done a lot more good, and I've, I've been on public record saying this, he has done... A lot more good than bad at UCF and brought no, a lot I, of I big agree. wins. I, I agree. I'm I'm mostly just messing around. I know, you couldn't I know. tell. Okay. I know. I, I agree I know. with you because I was just going to put this point out there how big this win was. There was over 100 recruits. Over 100 inside the bounce house and, today. And let me tell you, see that. that was the game. That was the game if you're a recruit to be at. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like this, it's just a game like nobody expected it, but. You know, it's so like, like I'm trying not to like over exaggerate it, but like also at the same time, I kind of am, or it's going to come off like that of how big it was. It's like you did this in front of a hundred plus recruits and nobody was expecting this. I mean, I'm sure there were a few of you, but there was pretty much nobody expecting it. You did it in front of a hundred plus recruits. Sold out bounce house. A sold out bounce house. Besides the top of the student section, we're not going to get into well, that. Well, they, you know, that. And they stayed play consistent. D- they despite play the elements, everything was pretty much thrown against UCF2 for fans to leave. Like, again, you saw the Baylor game at ha- after right. halftime. Most of the crowd had left. Nobody oh, after learning. halftime here left. And the elements, too. The elements were thrown yeah. out. It was pretty consistently w- full the entire game. Yeah. And what I was going to say, too, and this also, like, you know, Kind of save the season trajectory here a little bit because now it's like, remember how we were saying like, okay, you have to win three of your final four games. That's not happening. Move on. Well, you just stole one yeah. that we didn't see coming. So now it's like, can you just get me one more? One more. And all of a sudden, the goal of the season is there. And it doesn't matter how you got there. You got there. Let's talk about the defense. Uh, this is going to be a long pod, guys. I know you don't care, but just it's going to be a long one. Um, UCF defense. I mean, again, we gave them credit for the Oklahoma win, and then it kind of just, again, hightailed off, and we're like, oh, okay, it was Oklahoma's run defense. 
Nick, me and you talked about it on the pregame pod, right? We said, obviously, UCF is going to have to load the box. You're playing against the probably, arguably, eh, best back in college football. Teams know how to play him at this point because even Mike Gundy said in his pregame press conference um, talking about UCF, like, listen, the last four weeks, teams really didn't know who we were. Now everybody in the country knows. Everybody knows what we're going to do. Everybody knows what we're going to run. And me, we said on the pod, we said, listen, you're going to have to load the box. You're going to have to, to win this game, you're going to have to stop the run by loading the box. And hopefully in man coverage, you don't allow big plays by a Bowman because he he threw for over 300 last week. This defense, man, a couple of names before we get into it. And I want to go through some of the game comparison stats. Obviously, UCF 592 yards to OSU's two, uh, 277. Uh, 299 pass yards to OSU's 225. Rush yards, 293 to OSU's 52. Uh, UCF had 21 first downs, there are 15. Turnovers, that was obviously the big one. OSU, four turnovers to UCF's one. But a couple names on defense. Damari Henderson has a huge, bright future on this team. He, and it's not just this week. Right, like obviously he has, I think the two two picks this game, um, one fumble recovery and two interceptions. Is that really how it is? Hold on, yeah, two interceptions and a fumble recovery uh, for Damari Henderson. It hasn't just been this week though. He's been playing and he's been. You never look at the field and be like, ah, oh, Damari Henderson gets beat again. Damari Henderson proved himself tonight. I think Gus just said he's one of the best safeties, if not the the best safety in the conference. Which, you know, hot take for Gus, but is what it is. Um, Lee Hunter, again, just does insane things to offensive lines. He, every week, has just proven time and time again that he's going to be a big-time NFL player when he so chooses. Jason Johnson finally got a sack. Great and attack for loss. Um, Liked what we saw out of him today. Uh, But, and then Corey Thornton. Credit Corey Thornton, man. I mean, he battled... uh, the entire game made some big PBUs. I know you're laughing. I know. You just, I make, know, me, you I know. just make me laugh because you couldn't like you couldn't just say like, "Oh, Corey Thornton had a good game." You had to use the code where he battled. He battled. Well, he, he had, battled. No, like, he had a good that's game. like how they. That's like you know, a quarterback has like a mid game, but you, we all can see it. But the coach is not going to say it, and they ask him, "You know, how'd you think your quarterback played today?" Yeah, mm-hmm. he battled, man. You know, tough. You know, that's how you <laughs> started that off with Corey Thornton. Okay. He showed heart. You used the code right there on Corey Thornton. Let me rephrase. He played well today. He made yeah, some you. huge plays. There you thank go. You. He made some big plays. The big pass breakup into the back right of the end zone. That was huge. Um, the big, I think, fourth down um, PBU where it looked like the guy got the catch and then he played through it to the ground. This defense, guys, I mean, give Addison Williams his flowers for this game. Again, didn't really change much up. They just loaded the box, which I think you're going to have to do the rest of the season. And if anything, proves that UCF can play man-to-man when needed. Um, but I mean, listen, four turnovers. Ollie Gordon, you stopped him. And again, turnovers win football games, Nick. And let's call it like it is, this UCF defense won you the game today. Uh, yeah, they were flying from the from the first play of the game. This defense just looked different. I don't know what it was. But they look different. And by the way, I don't know if you mentioned them when you were going down your players there. But golf clap, everybody golf clap for Jason Johnson. Yeah, I did. I've been up on Jason Johnson all year. Please make plays. 
and he made plays today. So you're really going to call me out for Corey Thornton, yet Mr. Negative Nancy out of Jason Johnson this season over here is is not going to yeah, and that. I'm, okay. but I'm But here's the difference between me and you. I'm leading with Jason Johnson because that's who my standout was okay. today. Okay. He, he still had his tackles. He had a sack. He had a tackle for loss. He had a PBU. All great things from Jason Johnson. So there's my golf clap for him. The way this game, though, on a serious note, because I know I'm just all over. I know I'm all over the place this pod. I apologize. I'm just, I can't figure out what happened. I just, I just have no idea what happens on that field. And it's hard for me to summarize it. But the way this game played out, like, I don't know, maybe this is the way I was looking at it. Remember how we were talking about in the pregame, Sean, about, you know, you want to make Bowman beat you and everything. And, you know, on paper, that's always like a nice thing to say. And ultimately, that's how the game turned out. But man, it was like, it was so quick that the game got away from Oklahoma State to where it kind of went that way. It was like UCF's offense. This is like how it's so good to like play complimentary football because it makes it so much easier. Crazy concept, right? But the offense was doing their thing like right away. And it's like, and Ollie Gordon had like, I mean, he had what, four carries for like negative three yards or something like that to start or four carries for three yards. Yeah, like it was like crazy. So he couldn't even get to a flow anyway. And because they were down by like 17 nothing, what, like first 10 minutes of the game, it was that quick. There was no option but for Bowman to have to try to pass it around the yard. And as you saw in that game, mm, can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, he he looked rough from the very get-go in this one. And, and credit to UCF. They, I mean, they've been needing to tee off on somebody all year long just to get, again, some good will going here. But the fact that, again, the 127th rush defense held the best running back in the nation to 12 carries for 25 yards had him rattled. I mean, he got – remember he came out of the sideline and he was looking up at the stands and he was jawing and everything. I mean, they had this. They had this dude rattled, man. I mean, nobody had saw this coming. I mean, we've talked a lot about the whole difference between the other teams in the Big Twelve from the trenches standpoint. I mean, this is the first game where UCF finally got theirs on one of these Big Twelve teams, and that was great to see. So, the defense. I don't. Again, I don't know what to say. It doesn't absolve every issue, but my goodness, no. forty-five to three. What do you say? I mean, there's nothing bad to say. Uh, Helm to no touchdown. It was uh, easy. Helm. It was easy. I'm just going to say it. Like, I know I know football games aren't easy and everything, but it felt very easy for that defense today. I mean, yeah. we talk, You're right, Nick. We talked about it, and we said, yeah, let Bowman beat you. Load the box up. They put eight guys in there the entire time. Yeah. They, and, they played the three the quarters like, man-to-man and said, beat us. And somehow it worked. I've, it boggles my mind. I don't know what to, it, I, I don't I know what to say. Like, wait, well, it, but it, it's just like these are things like you know you say into like a buildup of the game, and then usually it never happens. Like it never happens, but like it happened. It finally <laughs> happened, and like I just Nick's like yes, I just, it finally <laughs> happened. It finally happened. Like I don't know. I just like crazy, crazy. I think I am. Oh my god! I still think I'm literally a, a fever dream. I mean, I, I trust Damn. me, I am the happiest. I mean, listen, it can go right downhill real quick. Like, obviously, in the next two weeks, you don't make a bowl game. It's like, okay, you had one big win, and then who the hell cares? But 
yeah, I mean, no more Heisman for him. That's probably why he's a little upset. Yeah, you could see it. Like, so we, where I sit, we sit actually in the visitor section, which is a whole other story. But he, the entire time, which I actually was reading some OSU fan stuff, and they're like, he gets way too emotional. Emotion is good. You want emotion. But he gets way too emotional where it can hurt him. And I think you saw that today where, listen, credit UCF's defense. I don't think it had anything to do with, you know, Oklahoma State just not having it. Like, they dominated. They dominated. The defensive line dominated the offensive line. They could not run the damn football. And it was getting him, like you said, Nick, flustered. He looked flustered on the sidelines. He didn't know. Like, so at that point, you have to throw the football. And to Bowman's credit, I mean, he was giving early what, UCF's defense was giving. I mean, he threw 19 of 36 for 225. Obviously, three interceptions. So, I mean, there's that. Later on in the game, that really kind of reared its ugly head. Once the rain started to fall, because early in the game when it wasn't raining, listen, now granted, again, it, they had the fumble and whatever. He was taking the, the, the short passes. He was just taking those all day. UCF was stopping the run, but he looked efficient early on. Once the rain started and it started coming down, I a flip switched. He looked flustered. He looked like he's like, oh, I'm going to have to win this game. And he couldn't rely on the run game. He couldn't rely on it. And it, he looked flustered the rest of the game. See, what you probably didn't even realize because you were at the game, they said it on TV, Oklahoma State didn't even like plan for like rain at all. So like I get they had no rain gear. Surprise. They had they had nothing prepared for rain. And I know it's Which November. Weird, it, it it was going to be in the forecast. <clears throat> right, it was going to be in the forecast. I know it's November and people think, "Oh, rain." Well, you know, we're Florida and we're weird. So, yeah, rain yeah. was in the forecast and it was a downpour for like half the game at least. That's probably uh, underselling it. Well, I was out. I stayed out in the rain. Uh <laughs> It was a downpour. It was a downpour. Don't get it twisted. It was a downpour. It stopped at around halftime, and then it kind of picked up in the middle of the third quarter. By that time, it didn't matter. Uh, but yeah, like second quarter is when it it started to like basically right. the entire second quarter. But give UCF credit because when the game got there, I mean, both teams got to deal with it, and yeah, one team did, and and one team didn't. It was that simple, and I think that definitely helped UCF because they looked because Oklahoma State looked so inept. So inept when it started raining. Like, and you would think, like, you know, logic would tell you, okay, now they're just going to pound the rock to Gordon and move on. This didn't happen. They just no. had no answer for anything today. Rob, obviously, Mike Gundy. We, we talk about Mike Gundy on this podcast, and Nick has been the Mike Gundy, you know, big fan this preseason. This season said, don't rule this man out. And he's, you know, one. At this point, seven games, won some big-time wins this Big 12 season with a team that a lot of people just didn't think would be any good. We were all wrong in the Big 12. They came out and on off... Listen, UCF just ultimately won that game. But defensively, when he comes out and makes a statement like, teams know who we are at this point. As a coach, when a team says, hey, teams know who we are, isn't it also your job to make sure that you have other options? Isn't it also your job when you're getting your, you know, butt kicked that you kind of make certain adjustments? It didn't look like Oklahoma State. 
you could blame the players for, you know, just saying they didn't look like they had any juice. But I would be shocked if Mike Gundy didn't try and make some adjustments, especially on offense. Because it even it looked worse in the second half. Obviously, the first drive, they went down and it looked really good. But besides that, it was three and out after three and out after three and out after interception. Like, they looked like they had no juice. Do you blame that on Mike Gundy? Or do you blame that on... What do you blame that on? Yeah, I mean, I think you can blame... Pretty much the entire team, I mean, the entire coaching staff, the entire team. Mike Gundy got out coached. You know, the whole defensive staff, the offensive staff of Oklahoma State got out coached. This is UCF's game. Every mistake that Alan Bowman made, UCF capitalized on. There's your difference. Four turnovers to one. Um, you know, we're used to sometimes seeing UCF create the turnovers themselves, but three interceptions i mean you can't have that from your starting quarterback and ucf capitalized on everything how many quick three and outs did ucf force oklahoma state into and oklahoma state didn't look like they wanted to change it up at all it was very predictable nick kind of said it it felt like an easy game it felt like an easy game because ucf forced them into so many quick three and outs so many turnovers and Oklahoma State didn't have an answer for anything, didn't have an answer on offense, didn't have an off an answer on defense, and it, it showed. So, yeah, I think you definitely blame the coaching staff there for not adjusting, but I just think the whole team got completely outplayed. And, I mean, you saw a lot of records broken here. You saw uh, RJ's Har- RJ Harvey's 92-yard touchdown run, I'm pretty sure, is uh, officially the longest touchdown uh, Oklahoma State has ever allowed in their history. Mm. Uh, I mean, that that tells you right there how the game went. Tells you right there, this team did not come prepared, um, and they kind of alluded to it. They're like, yeah, teams have kind of, uh, you know, they kind of know us now. They they know what we're about, and they didn't adjust. So, yeah, that's absolutely on the coaching staff, and that's absolutely on uh, that entire team for not coming in prepared. Um, and again, it shows you in preparation right there. Didn't prepare for the forecast of rain. Whole team looked like a mess. You even saw in the second quarter there was a punt that Oklahoma State made. They almost flubbed the kick because – the punter dropped yeah. it and then had to kick it real quick. I mean, right there, right there, rookie mistakes that they're making because of the the weather. And UCF didn't make that because they're used to playing in it. So it's your responsibility as a coach to go and prepare your team. They didn't look prepared at all to face any element, to face any facet of UCF's quick offense. They just, they caved in. I want to mention this before we give our final thoughts, but time of possession, 35 to 25. 35 minutes to Oklahoma State's 25 and if you go down on all of the drives for the Oklahoma State drive chart, it goes fumble, interception, punt, 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 interception, field goal, interception, downs, punt, downs, punt, punt, end of the game. So, and they only had one drive, or no, two drives that lasted five minutes. The rest didn't barely break two minutes. Everything was about a minute and a half. That loses you the game, and again, credit to everybody on the UCF football team, credit the coaches, credit the staff, credit the players. Nobody expected this. Nobody could have predicted what we witnessed and one of the biggest wins in UCF's history, and it's not even close. Rob, give your final thoughts on this insane, insane game uh, and where we go from here. Yeah, uh, as complete of a game as you're going to see UCF play, uh, I hope they ride this momentum. I hope this is not a moot point and they ride into Texas Tech and, you know, fall into the same of the same traps they've been falling all season. I hope they ride this momentum. I don't care how they get to six wins. They just need to get to six wins. Get beat Houston, beat Texas Tech, 
get out of the season, go to a bowl game, and and let's start fresh with a with a pretty damn good recruiting class coming in next year. Um, finish on a high note. Uh, this season's been ups and downs. Right now, we're at right at that peak, right at that top of that roller coaster. Let's keep that ride going. It's it's been fun. Um, you know, Lee Hunter said towards the start of the season, this team's got dogs. Well, they finally showed it. They finally showed that this team's got dogs on offense, on defense, at quarterback. This team had showed their potential, and and I'm proud to be a UCF fan. I'm proud to see what I saw out of this team because they fought for it, and they completely dominated a top 15 opponent uh, in college football. So what else can you say? Make the make the space game permanent. Make the space uniforms permanent. Uh, they showed lights up, lights down under that blue Canaveral lights. That was awesome. More of that. More of that. Before I throw it to Nick, I will say to your point, because you said the number 15 team, the cheerleaders, so a bunch of UCF fans were kind of trying to get Pistol Pete's attention the entire game. And a couple of the Oklahoma State cheerleaders, men, cheer men, whatever you'd call them, uh, they just kept doing 1-5. And then at this point, it was 24-0. They just kept doing 1-5, basically saying they're 15th in the country. Uh, And every time UCF scored, they would not turn around, which was hilarious. Nick, um, final thoughts. Again, I think we are all in a state of a little bit of shock where we don't understand. I'm going to probably go back and watch the highlights maybe 10 times to try and really get a grasp because the whole game felt like a blur while also feeling like the longest game of my life. Uh, Give your your thoughts and again, where we go from here. Yeah, I'm going to have to watch the full game over again. I'm going to I recorded it. I'm going to have the TV copy and maybe I'll have some more tangible thoughts on Wednesday show or Thursday, whatever it is this week, because I the entire time I'm like, I'm like, huh? Like trying to like, what's going on here? Like, I, it's hard to like, it was like one of those games where like, I was like, man, just the hell with trying to analyze this. I'm just going to enjoy it and try to make sense of it later. But no, it was a, this was a historic day for this program. You know, I, I don't think that's overstating it. You beat a top 15 team, 45 to three. You know, given the season they've had, the adversity they've had to go through. I mean, we talked about it. You know, you finally got your first Big 12 victory last week, but it came against Cincinnati. So, I mean, they count, but, you know, we wanted to get one against one of these actual teams and to get it against what many thought going in was the third best team in the conference and had, you know, Big 12 championship aspirations, which I'm not sure if we knocked them out of that. I think they still have an outside shot maybe. No, if they went out, if they win the next two, they could be in. Right. Um, so yeah, but you know, it's all about the follow-up for me. I always keep it there because, you know, we, we had the great game against Oklahoma, albeit in a loss, but we were like, okay, let's see the follow-up. And then the follow-up was, you know, disaster against West Virginia. So, you know, you look at, you look ahead to next week and we'll preview it this week, but Texas Tech got their biggest win of the season, you know, beating number 16, Kansas. And I think they, I think they got that on the road, if I'm not mistaken, and they're back to 500. So you got two teams that are going for bowl eligibility. You got two teams coming off their biggest wins of the season. Who's gonna come out flat? One of the team. One team is. Is it gonna be UCF or is it gonna be Texas Tech? So uh, definitely looking much more forward to this game though than I think we were, you know, maybe four or five weeks ago because of the stakes that are at, at that are at large here. So. Can't wait for that, but this is a historic day. If you're a UCF fan, absolutely enjoy it. Party, do all those things. Um, so there you go. Great day to be a UCF night. 
Couldn't have said it better myself, boys. What a win. What a win. What a win. Uh, I will always remember this game just because of the atmosphere and going to the game. Uh, first really big, big 12 victory. Uh, and yeah, hopefully this team, listen, we all had a, a loss going into Texas Tech. That was, uh, we said before the season, Texas Tech would be a loss. I think Texas Tech, uh, we'll get more into it for the preview, but uh, I think the best case scenario was both us and Texas Tech winning because, like Nick said, who knows what can happen. Two teams coming off their biggest wins of the year, anything can happen. We'll bring you that preview show on Thursday uh, as we get you kind of ready to wind down this season and see what can happen. Your UCF Knights have their biggest win in Big 12 play and one of their biggest wins in program history, beating number 15 Oklahoma State 45-3. to uh, hopefully we're at 500 subscribers by now because we're going to be releasing some cool merch. Uh, maybe some Cape Canaveral hats, potentially, with some white eyes. I, you know, that's... I might have to rock those after... we Can we just wear Cape Canaveral blue every year from now on? That would be nice. Uh, I looked fire on the field. And I think just because of the win, they just shot up to my number one. They overtook last year's because of the win that we did it in. All right, guys, drop your comments down below what you thought of the game. Uh, OSU fans, I know you're probably watching this as well. Kind of give your take on your team after that win. And, yeah, let's let's see what happens for the final two games of the year. All right, everybody, this has been Charge On, presented by Bet Online. We will see you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.